And welcome back. This is Two Teas in a Pod. My name is Charlotte. And I'm Kyler. And this is our second episode of the podcast. Second week. Second week. It's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. And we had tried working a little bit. So you guys have to be a little patient with us when it comes to the equipment. We had tried soundproofing one of the rooms in the house. And it didn't. um, It's just not. It didn't work too well. So right now we are. Uh, in my car <laughs> doing a car pod or a, a car pa- a car, car pod yeah a car pod yeah um which you know uh how was your week really it was pretty good you know just long typical you yeah. know we yeah. were with each other all week yeah i met your mom you did meet my mom that was pretty cool we we're watching her dogs yeah well they're off I mean, we're getting pretty serious. I know, you know, you're platonic. You know, we're like platonic life partners. (laughs) Basically, we are. We're kind of like that Netflix show, Grace and Frankie. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but if so, then you should definitely watch it. (laughs) It's not sponsored. (laughs) Not sponsored, but if you would like to sponsor us, that'd be really awesome. Now accepting sponsors. Um, Well, and we definitely, so we had uploaded on SoundCloud. We were hoping by this point that we would be able to um, get approved to go onto iTunes. yeah, Yeah, which is just taking a little bit of a longer process than we had hoped for, but you know good things in in you know in the making yeah good things in the making and um we're pretty excited about that i think that um i think just the fact that we have a podcast now yeah it's it's crazy mind blown dude it is and i think we should definitely take a second to appreciate all the people that to take the time out of their days or evenings to watch our very first podcast um dude isn't that amazing thanks guys that's awesome that is so amazing yeah we legit had thought so i had went to school for broadcast journalism Mm -hmm. for like a semester yeah so you're basically a graduate Uh, so i mean like i'm pretty much (laughs) youtube certified at this point but um you know i know how these things go and especially being on soundcloud which was not our original platform that we wanted the only Mm -hmm. reason why we went on soundcloud was so we could get the correct format to go on to iTunes, iTunes that yes. has a bigger um, audience. How, and so I was assuming maybe we would get like 10 views. But we're up to what? One, we're at like 130. 130. Yeah. So that's really awesome. And um, it's definitely everyone from like my Instagram, everyone from Charlotte. So it's like people that we might not, might not know personally, but people that we know of. And they took the time out of their day to like watch us and i just think that's i don't know it's just something well, we have some strangers nice too because it was across the country oh too. yes we yeah a lot in mm-hmm. pennsylvania for some reason well shout out to pv yeah is that what it's called pv so that's nice <laughs> we really appreciate the support and to be honest this was just kind of something we were doing for shits and giggles um and for it to be becoming something that we're really passionate about and that you guys are also enjoying yeah just sets the tone for us so well it definitely pushes us to um make more podcasts like this that you know people are watching and it's exciting yeah yeah it's Uh, very exciting so back to me meeting your mom oh yeah Mm -hmm. so the funny thing is bamber we're gonna call her Bamber. Bamber. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So your mom is only 13 years my senior. Yeah, my mom is very young. 
which is so crazy to me because like my parents were in their 40s when they had me right mm -hmm. so I always had this age gap of ways that I can interact with my parents that are completely different than the way I can interact with your friends well, yeah with my colleagues with yeah. my peers and you're able to pretty much interact with your mom the exact way that you interact with me or other friends I've yeah. like noticed around. I mean, for the first, for the first part, for the most part, yeah. I mean, like, my mom definitely is a mom when she needs to be a mom, and yeah. but she's definitely been one of my best friends and one of my biggest supporters in like anything I did in life. Like, I was in a play in high school, no, middle school. And I had, like, a three-line speaking part, and she was my biggest fan. She was like, you can make it to Broadway. And I'm like, Mom, no, I couldn't. See, I'm going to be, like, the mom from Mean Moms, where I'm going to have the camera. You're doing great, honey. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, that's really, really cool. And I think that kind of segues into today's episode, which goes, which is um, about self-esteem mm -hmm. and internalized transphobia. Ooh, yeah. Okay, I was just going to ask... Are you, like, a little nervous about this? A little bit, yeah. I feel like some emotions will be, you know, put out there. I mean, so, especially because, like, I mean, we all have insecurities. Oh, yeah, everyone, no matter who you yeah, are. Yeah, trans or not, or whoever you are, you have insecurities. Yeah. But these are things that, or, or at least I'll speak for myself when I say I've not been comfortable, a lot of the internalized transphobia that I have about myself. Mm-hmm. Speaking that to really anybody. To, yeah, to bring it out into the open other than a fellow, like, friend, trans yeah. sister. We've talked about it, but yeah. it's definitely kind of daunting. We're about to put out to... Our biggest insecurities. Yeah, to people, our family and followers and even random strangers. So yeah. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little nervous too. But yeah. why I say that it segues kind of um, from how I see your interactions with your mom, because like, we'll start, we'll get to that later. Mm -hmm. Let's start with self-esteem. Okay. Um, as our viewers had learned in our last podcast that you had transitioned at a really young age. Yeah. Um, and your mom had uh, assisted you through this. Yeah, she did. And again, with her being, like, there being a closer generational gap between you two, mm -hmm. um, I feel like she was able to kind of understand how the world today works and understand what you needed in terms of, like, moral support. Yeah. Um, and I mm -hmm. guess, like, a question that I have for you is how how would you say that that affected your self-esteem as you were growing up becoming a young woman well i don't know i i struggle with with self-esteem really hard and it might not seem that way on my social media but everyone puts their best foot forward right on social media right they want to see the good and not the bad but there's like days where i just hate I hate myself and growing up I mean it's hard going through puberty it's hard for anyone but like going through like puberty and those awkward stages and being trans on top of that it really hit me hard on the fact that like I just felt disgusting for yeah. most of my youth and yeah. my mom was always there by my side always calling me beautiful and all that stuff oh I'm already getting emotional oh. <laughs> no but um I don't know. I definitely feel like it helped a lot. 
What does self-esteem mean to you? When you when you think of self-esteem on a broad spectrum, yeah. what does that mean? For me personally or as yeah, like no, general? for you personally. Okay. Yeah. So for me personally, it's how I feel about myself, how I feel if I'm confident, if I'm not confident, if I'm having a good day or if I'm having a bad day. That's just kind of what it means to me. And it might not all be about looks. I feel like emotions have a really big part in your self-esteem if you wake up one day and you're just irritable and upset for no reason no good reason maybe something happened last week and you think about it and it just brings back those emotions it really affects your self-esteem and it affects how you look upon yourself in the mirror do you think that the outer world like the aesthetics that we live in like does that affect your self-esteem like does what's going on in your life affect your self-esteem on a day-to-day basis yeah I feel like since I'm a very emotional person is that like if something's not balanced in my life, whether it be, um, vanity wise or like personal life, emotional, you know, it just affects every aspect of my life. I'm, I'm a Libra for you guys. And you know, it's all about balance on like the Libra spectrum. So I feel like if something's not balanced in my life, then just my whole life is kind of chaotic. And I also notice, like, with you, as, like, our friendship has developed, I Mm -hmm. have noticed that, like, if there is that lack of balance, you try to find responsibility in it. Like, how it's somehow because of you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm a big self-blamer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can't really. Just can't really. (laughs) No. um, I just, I kind of grew up not wanting people to be upset with me and wanting people to like me. And I feel like that's kind of... um, went on into my like young young adult life and for an example like I would be in a fight with somebody and it would clearly be their fault but I will find a way to put it on me yeah whatever no I I I, I get that yeah Um, you know it's really strange because when I was a child right I have to say I had zero self-esteem like looking back Mm -hmm. I had zero self-esteem I didn't think I was really capable of a lot of the things that I had wanted and all the things that I really wanted to like throw myself into really weren't that great for me and really weren't doing anything to build my self-esteem yeah um and I remember when I had first started transitioning my main thing was self-esteem self-image how do I get to look at myself and enjoy what I see and it's hard yeah it is really hard I mean especially like this is a whole nother topic but being trans you're constantly comparing yourself to bodies and images that are not feasible we are just not born with it and that's what our image of beauty is. And I feel like even as a cis woman, they compare themselves to women in magazines and stuff where, so I, you know, I've been in the modeling game for a little bit, Yeah. you know, and I really didn't realize that everything is photoshopped. And I mean, everything. None of it's Until real. I mm. went to a shoot and they photoshopped the fuck out of me. And I was like, that doesn't look like me, but if she makes you guys happy, she? she is beautiful. Yeah, everything. <laughs> but is... you know, as I got older, I'm in, you know, I'm in my mid twenties now and I have realized that self-esteem not only very little has to do with how I look, it's almost has nothing to do with it. 
at okay. this point. I mean, you see on a daily basis, typically, I'm like, no makeup. Same. Hair tied. <laughs> yep. You know, and can still have a certain confidence about myself. Yeah. And I've learned that it's what, it's putting barrier, even this podcast has built a lot of confidence in me. Mm-hmm. Um, relieving, leaving, um, relationships that weren't good for me yeah was a lot of confidence for me and it continues to build and I'm able to set a boundary um a lot sterner I mean we even went through it today where we just have to cut some people out of our lives yeah we just we toxic people and see when it comes to the boundaries part yeah I have issues with boundaries just because I feel like if I set boundaries into place the person's going to be upset with me and I hate it when people are upset with me but I'm slowly learning throughout the past couple of months that if I don't set boundaries then it's always just going to bite me in the ass yeah and I feel like today we really kind of set boundaries with certain people yeah with certain people telling them, no you will not talk to me like that yeah no yeah and people so, get angry I mean they to- get a lot of so toxic angry. people get really angry yeah. when you set boundaries and mm-hmm. for me I guess like it was hard for me my first relationship ever that I was in um he had a really bad addiction to heroin yeah you know I had told you about this Mm -hmm. and I remember at that time in my life I was just like he was sober within the first year we were together Mm -hmm. after about a year he had relapsed he had addiction problems prior to that and um I remember thinking to myself if I leave this kid like somebody I've grown to really really care about yeah. if I leave him when things are bad what does that say about my character you know what oh, I'm okay. saying but he wasn't really toxic he was toxic to himself he wasn't really toxic to me but um I had decided we are going to see this through and we we're going to get help and I truly believe I was placed in his life to help him get through that and as soon as he did the ties were just kind of severed after that like I felt like I was able to walk away from that relationship because in my mind I was like I'm not going to leave this relationship because it's bad I will leave because I'm not happy even when it's good Mm -hmm. um and I decided to prove that to myself and then took that on to every relationship I had after that where I was like if it's bad I will work through it until it gets good again um but some you just gotta fucking throw back, man. Yeah, <laughs> like you just some you just say bye. because if when it comes to them disrespecting you, or when it comes to um, them crossing your boundaries or treating you in a way that you're not comfortable with, and you allow it and you continue to let them in, it destroys any amount of self esteem that you any have built. Amount. Yeah, I feel like even. <laughs> I feel like the closest people can either the closest people to you can either boost your self-esteem to a point where like it's never been before or tear it down to a point where you don't know what to do with yourself it's the people closest in your life that's why you need to pick and choose who you let in you have to be into your inner circle you have to be really really wise and you have to um be considerate about like what type of people are coming in because one you know I had this idea and I was talking to my dad about it Mm -hmm. and I was just like what is it about me that is attracted to sometimes men who aren't that great to me Mm -hmm. um and I really start and it started fucking with my self-esteem really really hard because I was like is it me like am I attracted to that am I okay with that 
And that's just not true. The yeah. fact of the matter is, is when you become intimate with somebody, right? And this, again, goes why I think that you should really get to know somebody before you commit to them. Mm-hmm. Is because once you make that intimate connection, they imprint on you. And severing the ties, I mean, what, once you take out emotion and you think logically, yeah, I should leave this person because they're being really bad to me, they're affecting my self-esteem, they're making my self-worth feel bad, logically, you should just be able to yeah. walk away. But once someone's emotionally imprinted on you, you're not just thinking logically yeah. anymore. And that's why you have to use logic prior to your emotions getting in the way. And see, I kind of have an idea about this, a philosophy some may say if you will if you will if you may (laughs) so you have three circles of people that you know in your life you have the intimate circle where you share everything with this group of people and maybe your family your closest friends you have the close circle where yeah you know the person but you're not going to share every little nitty-gritty detail with them then you have the outer circle of people that co-workers classmates acquaintances that you talk to but you're not going to share those types of personal details with yeah it's not appropriate yeah and i feel like there's levels to a friendship where you really have to power through them to get into that intimate circle you really need to pick and choose who you want to be in that circle because if you pick the wrong people it's just going to fuck with your self-esteem and show me your friends and i'll show you your future exactly you know Mm -hmm. i think a big thing about it is you are who you surround yourself with and you are also who you allow to project onto you if you have somebody who is constantly feeding you and i mean as trans women this is a trans podcast so i say that but in all honesty i think everybody can relate to it on some level is that when uh, for us as trans women how we've navigated the world is that we are constantly told you are undesirable you are wrong you're against nature yeah and um the way i mean my self-image because of that had become at some point i was like man this has to stop Mm -hmm. this has to stop and i really am kind of gonna have to build myself into a delusional bubble and cut anybody who makes me feel that way or anybody who slightly even thinks of me that way out of my life and try to surround myself with good positive people who encourage me and allow me to do the same for them that's what you have to do and it's definitely really really hard and it's growing pains because when you're in your 20s to be honest you're really not taught that no growing up you're not you're really not taught being selective about the people that are and I think in the trans community, well, I was speaking to Ryan the other day. I was telling him, I was just like, man, for a long time. For those of you who don't know, Ryan's like neighbor. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, him and I were talking about how we, I had put myself in a position to be around people whose values and whose outlook on life or just certain characteristics that I did not identify with. Yeah. But I still allowed them to become in that intimate group for me um, because I was looking for acceptance. Mm-hmm. And the people that are going to give you immediate acceptance, chances are not people, not the you, best. people you really want to be mm-hmm. around, you know, because it did leave, lead my life into chaos. And my self-esteem, because of that, had just been drowned where I was around people whose values did not align with mine, who wanted me to go into a different direction where 
when I was tempted to do that or to allow myself to be treated in a certain way, I was like, who the fuck am I anymore? And see, I feel like it's like, I get that, but I feel like it's human nature that we all want instant gratification, no matter in what it is. You know, we want that instant, like, pick me up. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So it's very easy to confuse that with somebody giving it to you instantly as that being a good thing when it's really not you know because we all just want that instant oh i did something right codependency can go in from your romantic relationships onto your friendships man and even into family relationships into family relationships absolutely it's it's something of people who don't understand themselves or don't identify with themselves i mean in today's culture, I don't know if that's how it always was, but mm-hmm. there seems to be a loss of self-identity with yeah. a lot of the people in our age group. Mm-hmm. They don't know who they are. And I mean, I was even talking about this the other day where there's a certain group out here of guys that are supposed to be a little bit revered in a certain um, culture. culture that's, yeah. you know, crazy to me. But... I had noticed that when one of them was standing by another guy, right? And you're having a conversation with guy A. Yeah. And you guys are talking about opinions. Guy B is relating with guy A, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. he totally agrees with him. Yeah. Guy A would walk away and guy C would show up and have his opinion. And guy B would agree started with agreeing with guy C. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is going on I here? Feel like... <laughs> I feel like we're, um, what in tarnations? <laughs> I just feel like we're in a generation where we're a generation of followers and there's starting to become less and less leaders. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm definitely a follower in some aspects and it bites me in the ass because, you know, I don't know. Like, if I don't agree with something and then I agree with it because I don't want to lead it to an argument. It bites me in the ass later because it's like I really should have stuck up for what I believed in. I feel like you have a firm understanding on who you are and what your values Mm -hmm. are. I think that sometimes you don't feel it's worth the controversy. Yes. Yeah, I'm a very non-confrontational person. And I feel like sometimes my values or the way I view things are lessened, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I think it might be something to do with self-doubt that I have that I feel like my opinions don't hold as much weight as somebody else's and that for goes some back reason. to self-esteem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, for me, I do have my issues with self-esteem. Mm-hmm. However, um, I think following the crowd just never really was one of them. And I'll tell you why is because I never fit in the crowd. You know, I had never really blended in with people around me and I've always kind of felt like an outsider in all aspects and I was uh speaking with my sister the other day and I was telling her that for me the goal and transition I mean I was like at some point I just want to be able to live as a woman and have like an authentic my best fabricated life I guess and just be a regular girl around people and that was the goal and hiding behind being trans like that being dismissed from my life was the goal and then years later i get into a situation where i'm in a relationship 
he has a solid group of friends um they all have girlfriends and i'm around them and they're talking about like babies and periods and oh god i'm like i don't relate to you guys and i really feel like a puzzle that just isn't fitting in and that's when i had realized for me that's where my self-esteem and where my confidence in being trans had shifted there was like a huge shift for me because i had realized at that point that the thing that I had been running from, mm -hmm. right? And that's what my transition was and why I took off so fast. I wanted, I was 21, I was like, you know what? I just have to go for it. If I wanna live my life as a woman, I have to get there as fast as I possibly can and leave all of this behind me. And then I get to that point where I was able to and I realized that that was a really defining moment for me. And it is something that had made me into who I am today. And the times where I don't fit in, I'm not necessarily supposed to because yeah. this is who I am. And I became almost empowered by that mm -hmm. almost empowered at the fact that you know what I am a trans woman and although I can now relate with other women um, and I can be viewed as another as any other woman there is still something about me that is different and my experience is different um, that I don't really want to hide behind anymore um, I feel like that's a good segue into like our next kind of um transphobia oh internalized transphobia um and prefacing that this is not how kyler or i view other trans women no this is how what we've dealt with for our dysphoria um throughout our transition um i guess a good way to start this is when did dysphoria start for you hmm. i feel like it started when you know the girls because when I transitioned yeah girls started to go through puberty you know body wise a little bit like little buds and stuff like cone shaped boobs like that awkward stage that even trans women go through but it really didn't start hitting me until I was you know 13 14 15 where I saw all of my girlfriends start growing breasts yeah. you know and getting their periods and stuff and they would be talking about their periods and um i remember at lunch one of my best friends at the time she went to, she was late for lunch and she came to the lunch table that we always sat on and she was like you guys i was just in the nurse's office they were like why why and she was like well i just started my period i had to get like a tampon and i was like, like you're disgusting oh, <laughs> that's disgusting <laughs> i was like oh and then a few other girls that I used to hang out with were like, oh yeah, well we started ours like a month ago, blah, 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 blah. And I just felt really left out of the conversation because I had nothing to bring to the table. Yeah. You know, I was like, well, fuck. Like, I will never, I have, I have not had a period. I will never get a period. I don't, I have nothing to bring to the table. So I just kind of sat there in an awkward silence the rest of lunch because I just felt very out of place. And then... <clears throat> Um, I feel like the next stage was one of my really, really good friends. She got pregnant and I, I was friends with her throughout her whole pregnancy, but it was always in the back of my mind that I'm never going to have this. I'm never going to have that connection with a child, even though we can adopt and all that stuff of, a, of a, my 
a, a little me growing inside of me. <laughs> you know? I'm not gonna have that. And that really made me feel out of place. And I don't know. I know that there's cisgendered girls that cannot have kids. Yeah. And there's cisgendered men that can have kids or anything like that. But it just sucks because even if if we didn't transition, we'd be able to have kids. But we made a decision to transition and now we can't have kids. But, but, but living our living the life as our authentic self is more of a priority than having kids. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. And I don't want to be a dad. I'm I don't sorry. want to be a dad. I want to be a mother. I want to be like in the kitchen, you know, making some stew. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. want to be playing basketball. I don't want to be a dad. No. Gross. Um, <laughs> I think it would be, because I guess it is a form of transphobia, what I was doing the other day. <laughs> so nope. <laughs> I know you're gonna talk about. Oh my god. So <sighs> I um, God, how do I even say this without so sounding basically? Like a okay, person? I'm just gonna. So we were laying down and Sexual. procrastinating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's as I do, a, as we both do. Yeah. Um, and somehow Charlotte ventured onto the side of gender reveal videos and no it wasn't videos. gender reveals it was announcing pregnancies yeah yeah okay and it was the cute ones too it was it like was the ones that you would upload onto youtube because it was a cute like scenario like he has like a blindfold on and she's like using cards in front of it being like i love this man so much and we've been trying for a baby for etc cetera, etc cetera. And, and she was feeding him food and then she feed and, and he's like crying food. he's like oh. he's like get it. he's like are we really having a baby and me and kyler are sitting there bawling our eyes bawling out our eyes literally out. like just waterworks the bed was basically sopping wet it was a water bed at that and point. i'm like turning to her and i'm like how does it feel that we will never have that? she goes how does it feel that you how does it feel to know that you will never make a man that happy <laughs> and i just started crying but like you know charlotte and i have gotten to the point where we can be sarcastic and have like a dark humor about the situation that we're in you know um and we don't really take that seriously we take it with a grain of salt but you know it i is mean hard. it is it is a realistic factor that we have to take in and i mean i like to think okay so your dog marbles bailey bailey <laughs> marbles ba uh, um, bailey. so your dog marbles <laughs> is so oblivious to life she she's just thinks everything woo. is the greatest thing and she's just running around and she's happy and, and joy free and caring and she's even she's even she can't even have kids She's spayed. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, first of all, you're kept in a kennel. Like, you're kept in a cage. Yeah. Overnight. You overnight have no when purpose. nobody's home. You, you have, have no... <laughs> oh, my God. You have no purpose. You oh. have no reason to be on this world other than your human's entertainment. Fuck, and Charlotte. Yet, you are just happier than shit. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Not a bad way to go through life. Not a bad way to go through life. And you have to roll through with the punches, man. There are some situations that are a little less than ideal for you, mm -hmm. but you can laugh your way through it and enjoy the really good things that happen. 
you know, in your life, there are a lot of beautiful experiences I've experienced as being a trans woman Yeah, that I did not think that I would ever have the courage or the opportunity to experience when I was a little boy. Um, I, and you know, I've done things and I've experienced situations that I thought would be in my wildest dreams, you know, and you, there's some sacrifice that comes with that, you know? You can't get something for nothing, you know? Exactly. And I definitely feel like... <clears throat> I totally get that. Sometimes... I don't know. Sometimes I get down upon myself. Of course you get down When upon it comes yourself. to the whole um, family and um, having my own children and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there was a time, briefly, that I just didn't think I was worth anything because you know if you really get back to like the basics of like human nature we are put here to procreate you know and we are here to have children and they can have children you know and I feel like with us since we can't do that it's kind of hard because I feel like sometimes I'm going against human nature I don't feel that way anymore but there was a t point in time where I was like I can't even do the basic thing that humans are here to do. I mean, I disagree. I think that a lot of, I'm just going to have to, um, there are people that I see that are actually capable of having children that I would be mortified if they actually did have children. Yeah. Because I'm just like, I don't think everybody is meant to be a parent. And mm -hmm. I think that those who take on that responsibility just because socially they believe that's what would be expected of them are selfish i think it's selfish and i think that you're taking on a human life um i think it is um important to also recognize the fact that there are trans women who are capable of having children or who are capable of providing for a child but aren't capable of having theirs but i do believe that there's certain ties in the universe of why we're placed here and i do believe that if you get to that point um, and you set yourself up and the beautiful thing about it is that you will be able to make the decision mm -hmm. to have a child yeah. and you will set yourself up with the foundation that a child could thrive on. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just have a feeling that when I watch adoption videos or anything like that, they say that there's like this sense of knowing when you meet your kid, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's not biologically yours, you know, but you know that this kid was, you're meant to be their parent. Yeah. And I do think that um, if that is a goal of yours as a trans woman or as any type of woman, and I think that cis people should take this into consideration too, is that it is truly difficult. Not that it can't be done. I have seen a I've been blessed to have really strong, powerful women in my life. Yeah. Um, my close friends and my immediate family that had children before they were able to set that foundation and did fucking phenomenal mm -hmm. i mean their kids are just they're rock stars as yeah. mom they are rock stars but i saw the road for them to get there Man, and it's a hard one was a lot of sacrifice yeah and a lot of tears and a lot of times where they questioned themselves if they were able to provide for their kid as well as they believed they sh they should 
which, you know, as an outsider, of course, you're like, I see that you do, your kid wants for nothing, mm -hmm. but I can understand being in that situation of not being able to lay down the proper foundation of being like, it is a responsibility. Children are a responsibility. And I'm really tired of people just shooting them out and then taking no responsibility for them. I mean, that's a whole other subject. That's a whole other subject. Yeah. And I want to touch on that subject when we do touch on that subject because there's people that I know yeah. where I can get into that, but I just don't want to say any names and we just need to... I mean, sit. it's a whole other subject. Yeah, it's a whole, we, it's yeah. A whole other subject. Yeah. So, I guess going back to internalized, internalized transphobia. So for me, I think that I had first discovered um, dysphoria within myself when when you're a child, you don't really understand the boundaries that society sets of male mm -hmm. and female. Yeah. I have a picture of me on Facebook at four years old. The cutest, yep. In a my, my size Barbie dress. Mm -hmm. And I felt good. I felt confident. I had, you know, sisters. I would try on their clothes and everything was fine. It wasn't until school started where I was told it was inappropriate to wear those clothes to school mm -hmm. and even then I guess I really just like you know dysphoria didn't click with me as hard I would say for me it was puberty that's when stuff started going really wrong for me like growing facial hair was probably the most traumatizing thing I think I've ever gone through yeah you know even as an adult like I think that growing facial hair had to have been the most traumatizing thing I had ever gone through um because it felt like I was out of control of my body. I felt like stuff was happening to it that I was not prepared, that I didn't want to happen. Um, and I just felt trapped. I felt so disgusting. And, and, and I felt so out of touch with my body and out of control. And, you know, I hate that feeling. I hate... And I still get that as an adult from time to time. Um, that kind of ties into... I mean, that's like the physical part of internalized transphobia for me is how disgusting I felt like it was that my body was changing yeah and then it went into with me constantly telling myself that on a daily basis when it came to my self-esteem I remember distinctively for a while thinking who would want me and then if somebody came into my life who was a little less than good to me I justified it because I was like well if this person leaves then I'll be alone um, because who would want me? Like, I almost felt like winning the lottery just by having somebody there for you or state that they cared about me, even if their actions clearly indicated that they did not. Yeah. Um, the fact that somebody was willing to sit there and tell me that they cared about me, um, this, that, and the third, I tolerated a lot more than I really should have. And I feel like that's kind of hard for a trans woman is that you know, in society, we're told that, like, we're disgusting, nobody wants us, we're unlovable, etc., etc., that when somebody is giving you basic human decency, we think it's either love or we think it's so much more than the person just being nice to you. We really... And we put too much weight on that. And we really and have we a problem setting our standards of being like, this is how I will be treated. A lot of times it's, okay, uh, you have to be a man. <laughs> For us, you know, like as hetero trans women, you have to be a man and you have to be, you know, I have to be attracted to you, I guess, you know, and sometimes that's even hit or miss. Um, 
I definitely see as myself growing older, but I think that's everybody, dude. I think that at some point we are all conditioned through movies and through social media and even from our peers or our parents even, um, pressured into finding somebody to be romantic with. Mm -hmm. And when you get into that rush of it, right, you start accepting things beneath your standards if you beneath your pay grade (laughs) you know (laughs) you know and then it's hindsight you look back and you're just like man why would i have put up with that and then you're just like oh shit it's because i've been feeling like i was a disgusting you know creature (laughs) golem from lord golem yeah you know just Mm -hmm. feeling awful about myself and here's somebody who went ahead and had told me some nice things about myself and i will even say this that and I know you've experienced it. Even the men that we have been romantically involved with yeah. almost condition us to believe that there's some sort of heroes. That there's some sort for, of special. For overlooking the fact that we're trans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think. Ugh. That's hard, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I want to. You know, I'll get into it. It's a podcast. We're sharing our emotions and thoughts. Um, I think it's an asshole move of them. And I think that they subconsciously do it and they subconsciously make us think that they're special for loving us because we're trans because it gives them some type of power and, um, ownership over us. Agreed. Yeah. That they think, well, I'm doing this amazing thing that I'm overlooking her having a penis and I love her for her. And it makes... I'm a great guy for doing that. Because so many other guys won't. Yeah. And... I don't know. It's not... Well, to be honest, we really have to um, actually wrap this up. We do. We're at 40 minutes. What we could do... I mean, and we'll we'll debate about this between ourselves. We could do a two-part series um, on this. Because I do feel like you know, internalized transphobia. I don't even think that we'd like even touch the surface of it, to be honest. Definitely not. <laughs> we did not even get. So really this could be a two part series this week and the next week. Yeah. Um, and then we can move on to a different topic mm-hmm. two weeks from now. But I definitely think that this is something that we've scraped the surface of it. I agree. Let's think about the Titanic. You know? You know. It's only a part of the iceberg, but there's a ton of shit underneath that we need to get into. It's like an onion. You just have to... Peel back the layers. I agree. Um, Okay. Well, you could also... um, One of the things I wanted to mention, too, was the people who reached out to us via social media. Thank you. We didn't even link anything to it. No. Um, But we somehow, some people had found us on there and had messaged us and told us that they appreciated um, episode one of our podcast. So I guess we'll just Should we give out little shout outs? No. No. no, no, Because, well, I don't think that they would. I don't know if they would want that. Yeah. Um, But I will go ahead and I think we should state our social media because at some point in the podcast, I would like it where people could send in questions or we could do like an advice segment. Mm -hmm. um, Just kind of interact with people and kind of figure out what they're really wanting. So in in that aspect, you can find me on Instagram, which is char, C-H-A-R, 0418. And also Snapchat, which is Char underscore Nice Rack. 
and I'll, <laughs> I'll be fixing that. I'll be fixing yeah. that. But. And then um, you can find me on Instagram, Kyler Mydear, K-Y-L-E-R-M-Y-D-E-A-R. And then my um, <clears throat> my personal Snapchat is Mermaid Queen. <laughs> like the word mermaid queen all one word um yeah and i feel like we can link our social media in the description box if some of the podcast that, yeah. yeah well um, i think it does about describing what the podcast is about a little bit yeah. right so and again i apologize i know i i had announced um on instagram that we would be converting to itunes within 24 to 48 hours but it's just a process guys and unfortunately it just did not go in the time frame that yeah. was indicated to me they have some things on their end that they need to work on i guess um but thank you for tuning in and we will see you next week see you later alligator after a while crocodile